And in the Christmas story, we see some people that want to love Jesus, bless Jesus. And so they come ready to give to him, not to get from him, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, I want to ask you to think about your story. Isn't it interesting that the world is actually built around stories and your story is one of them. My story is another. Uh, When you look at the Bible, the Bible's filled with stories of very real people and what happened in their lives. God is the God of the story. Uh, And so when I think about my story, and it may not be yours, mine goes like this. I was completely happy. Nothing was missing. Matter of fact, if you had asked me back then, did I have it all? I thought I had it all. Everything that I thought made life fun, and I'm into fun. I mean, even today I'm into fun. Uh, Everything I thought that would make life better. uh, You know, I I really thought I had. And and so back then I was in high school. I had a really cool car. I I love my family. I love my friends. I I was playing football at Corona High. I loved all those guys on the team. Uh, I love partying. <laughs> my mom and dad didn't know that, but, but I, every, so we had all these parties to go to. So I always had something to look forward to. And if I had probably one overriding passion back then, uh, it would have been girls. Uh, and, and I was doing great in that area of my life. And so if you had asked me then again, Hey, is there anything you're missing? I don't think I would have said I am. I mean, could I have had more money? Yeah, another car maybe. But I knew enough to know that everything I had, I loved. And I was loving life completely. And then something happened. And nothing got taken away. No tragedy occurred. But something happened that changed it all. And all of a sudden, I would even say in a moment of time, and maybe a better term would be a touch of eternity. None of those other things mattered like they did before. And all of a sudden, only one thing mattered and I didn't know how to get it. Only one thing mattered and I wasn't sure how that could take place in my life. But I knew that's all that mattered. And so for me, it it just completely changed. That's my story. So what was that one thing? Well, I think right now you could probably guess. But before you do, before I tell you what it was, I want to tell you that's also a big part of the Christmas story. Uh, In the Christmas story, there are some people who have it all. They couldn't have had it better. They were living in the nicest place you could possibly live. They had the most security, but also the most freedom. They could do whatever they wanted to do. They had the best of food, the best of wine. They had incredible influence. And they were the kind of people, by the way, who were not only influential, they were popular. And when they showed up anywhere, they created a stir. I mean, everybody's eyes were on them. And these men, and they were men, uh, they were the ones that everybody, everybody talked about. And you know what? They, They had it all. But something changed for them. And it was the same something or maybe someone that uh, affected me too. And so I want to take you all the way back to uh, 2 BC. Uh, And now think about that. We're going to go back to 2 BC and we're going to talk about the Christmas story. Uh, And so I want to take you now uh, to the nativity uh, because get ready for this. This is going to blow some of your mind. Get ready. This happened in 4 BC. Uh, the reason is, is there's a, uh, we were off in our calendaring some uh, that was originally done way back, but they weren't that far off, four years off. Jesus was probably born in 
4 BC. But now I want to say this is 4 BC. So in 4 BC, Jesus is born in a manger. Shepherds came to visit him. But get ready for this. These guys aren't here. This guy isn't here. And if that guy's not here, this guy wasn't here either. And for sure, that guy wasn't here. And you might be saying, why? Well, the bottom line is the wise men didn't show up for two more years. Jesus was two years old when they showed up, which kind of extends the Christmas story, uh, which I would also say this. Some of you guys are wondering, uh, is it really right to extend Christmas like in, uh, you know, uh, and put up your decorations early? Well, the Christmas story really is more of a four-year story, if not even beyond that, by the way. But what happened, I want you to know, is Jesus's is born and Mary and Joseph choose to stay living in Bethlehem. Uh, they've established a household there. And, and two years later, some men come from the east. They come from the area uh, that we modern day call Iraq, but it was back then Babylon. And, and they come and their coming into the town creates a stir. Everybody's talking. Everybody's wondering. Everybody wonders what's going on and what's about to take place and what's about to happen. And I want to read it to you. You probably know it, but listen to the words again, and then we'll break it down. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him and gathering together all the chief priests and scribes. By the way, notice all the chief priests and, and the scribes. Those were the experts in the Bible, the experts in the law. He said, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what was written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. Now, isn't that interesting? So he knows now it appeared two years earlier, which is how we know that Jesus was two years old when they came. There'll be another way we know too. And it says in verse eight, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went their way and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. This is the story and this is the group of men. This is the people that, that had it all. And yet they found out something greater, something so awesome and awe-inspiring existed that they were willing to, to travel a great distance, a great peril, a great danger. And, and they came giving very extravagant gifts. 
this is what happened. This is what occurred. And these are guys that in some ways I can identify with. Not that I'm that influential, but I do have influence. Not that I'm as popular as they were. uh, Although I feel like I have a lot of people I get to interact in life. But back even in high school, I felt like, hey, I have all those things. And then, and then it changed. For them, it changed. For them, it was different. And so what I want you to think about are the Magi. So who are the Magi? Well, the Magi uh, were what we would call the kingmakers. Uh, whenever there needed to be a new ruler in the area of Babylon or, or in other parts of the empire, then what would happen is they were the ones who would select that person. They were the ones who would anoint that person. And so they had the ability to, to, to actually say, yes, you are the one uh, that is going to be leading us. And so they had to do their final influential moment. And they had that kind of power because if you could choose a ruler, then you could choose how the land is ruled. Uh, They were doctors. They were astronomers. They were astrologers. They were the professors of science. So they were the people that everybody looked to. They were the ones whose opinion maybe mattered more than most everyone, if not everyone. And they knew about the one who was coming. They knew about a promised one. They, they knew the word of God enough to know that God was sending someone and they knew the timing of his coming and they saw his star in the east. Now, you might ask the question, how did they know that? How did they, living thousands of miles away or at least hundreds of miles away, know, know about the promised one, Jesus? And the answer is the chief of the match was Daniel. Daniel had lived long, long time before, one of the greatest prophets of all the Old Testament. When God said he was going to name three faithful people, Daniel, according to God, was one of the three. And Daniel rose up to be the chief of the Magi. It says in Daniel 5.11, when someone was describing Daniel, it says, there is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods and in the days of your father, illumination, insight, and wisdom, like the wisdom of the God were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king appointed him chief of the magicians or chief of the magi and conjurers and Chaldeans and diviners. And so Daniel, by the way, was considered their chief. Well, Daniel was someone who studied the word of God and was connected with God in a very powerful meaningful way. And and in studying Jeremiah, he began to pray about God's promised one that was coming. And God sent the angel Gabriel, Gabriel, the angel who would appear to Mary later uh, and let her know she was going to have Jesus. Uh, Here's the thing. Gabriel appeared to him and told him the timing of the promised one, the timing of the coming of the Messiah, and the fact that he would die, not for himself, but for others, that he would be God's sacrifice to bring us into the presence of God and fulfill in Jesus all the prophecies of the Bible are fulfilled. So Daniel knew all that. Daniel wrote about all that in Daniel chapter 9. And when they were studying it, these, these magi knew. They knew that he was coming. They knew the timing he was coming. See, God actually gave the time period that he would be born and the time period he would die in. And so these men, these magi, studying the word of God, searching the word of God, began to look for signs that he has come or that he had arrived. And 
Even though they, again, they were a long, long ways away when the star appeared, they made the journey. Uh, They made sure to come and be that. So don't miss this. Uh, Daniel was someone who studied prophecy to know what God wanted. The Magi studied prophecy to know what God wanted and was doing. And remember what I read you in the story? When they show up, when they get there, they ask, where is he to be born? And Herod, the king, and the chief priests and the scribes all come together and say in Bethlehem of Judea, but get ready for this. The wise man go to be with Jesus, the chief priests and the scribes and Herod don't. They had all the prophecies too. They had all the things they could look at, but they refused earlier to search the prophecy, even though the star was in the sky. And when the Magi show up, they don't say, hey, let's all go together. They just sit back and go on with their lives and miss out completely. By the way, one of the reasons we call the Magi the wise men is wise men seek him. By the way, I I love that. You hear the phrase sometimes, wise men still seek him. Wise women will seek him. Wise people are going to seek the Lord. So one of the questions you and I should ask is, are we more like Daniel or the chief priest? Are we more like the wise men uh, or are we more like Herod? Uh, living in selfishness, not willing to be inconvenienced, or maybe the scribes, same thing. Who are you and I more like? Because wise men still seek him. Now, I want to have you think through all the things that took place when we look at what's said. So what do we see that makes these men find exceedingly great joy? What is it that causes them to do what they did and have us talk about them now thousands of years later? Number one, they searched and studied God's word. I already let you know that, but in Matthew 2 verses 1 and 2, it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, the magi uh, uh, from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Uh, So we know, we know uh, based on studying this particular text that somehow they were aware of his coming. Remember, I tied them back to Daniel and that's the place you would look to mainly to know the timing of his coming along with hundreds of other prophecies of his coming. And so we know they at least had that. So we know, number one, they were people. They were people who searched God's word. If you and I want to be wise, if you and I want to live lives of meaning, we need to search God's word. By the way, my life, as it began to change, as I began to discover something so incredible uh, that girls were not as important, uh, that popularity was not as important, that friends were not as important, partying wasn't important, fun wasn't important. That one thing I found deeper connection to as I studied God's word. Uh, Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. The Magi were wise enough to study God's word. I, in the early days of being a Uh, someone connecting with God. I studied God's word. I had a hunger for it. And I want to encourage you to do that. Something happens when you get in the word of God and it goes even deeper and becomes more incredible when the word of God gets inside of you. So it's about you getting into the word and then the word gets into you and you change. 
and life takes on meaning and your connection with God is greater. Your faith goes deeper and is stronger. All that happens. Uh, it was interesting and it was God's timing that as I was actually preparing this message, I got a message from three different people thanking me for telling them and encouraging them uh, to get into God's word every day. Uh, Joel Hansma, who's a man I love and respect. I love he and his wife, Gladys. They're a vital part of our Crossroads ministry. Joel uh, let me know that he had hit a point where he was celebrating 4,700 straight days of being in the word. And even though he knew Jesus before he started this journey with God, he let me know that he and Gladys's life had been changed in an incredible way, their faith was deeper, their faith was stronger, their connection with God, it became more meaningful and clearer because they spent 4,700 straight days in the word of God. Uh, it was right after that, I got a message from Ar Arvin El Elvik and, and Arvin's a part of our church family. And Arvin let me know he hit 4,000 straight days in the word. And he, again, he knew the Lord, but he did not know the Lord the way he would. He did not experience Jesus in the depth and the way he could as if he was started spending every day being in the word of God. So he spent 4,000 days uh, in the word of the Lord. And you know what? Catch this. Noah Berrigan, one of our pastors, uh, Pastor Noah, let me know that he, he had spent 5,000 straight days in God's word. 5,000 straight days in God's word. And it just changed him in a way that was really incredible, really powerful, really vital. And so for him, that became something that he said, I know it makes a difference. And when you get around Noah, you can see, you can see, you can see the difference in him. And for me, uh, as I've sought the Lord and spent time with God, uh, it's just been something amazing and something incredible for me. And so I love all the times I get to be with the Lord, all the times I get to spend with him. And so uh, in my case, uh, I am super excited to tell you that, that I just made this decision. I was going to be with God every single day. And so what happened to me is I did that and I decided to keep count. You don't have to keep count, but something powerful happened happens when you do. And I remember when I hit day 100, I knew something changed. And then when I hit day 500, it was more incredible. But I want to tell you this, from day one to day 100, there were some times it was harder to be in the word. I, I remember having to go, oh, I remember some of those moments like, oh, I got to do that. But after day 100, that all changed. And it was like, that became the passion of my life, the, the excitement of my day. Uh, and after I hit day 500, it grew greater. And after I hit day 1000, it got more. And now I'm at a place where I've been in the word of God, 6,363 days. And you know what? It, it's something that blows my mind. It just blows my mind. And so being in the word of God that many days, being with him all that time, I get up in the morning and I want to tell you, it's really true. It hasn't gotten old. It hasn't gotten tedious. It hasn't gotten routine. It's changed everything about who I am and what I get to do with the Lord. And Jesus said those words. If you continue in my word, You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And there are days where the day would have taken me into places of bondage, but because of being in God's word, I was in freedom. 
And I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to make that who you are not, and get God's word inside you as you get into God's word. And the Magi did that. And at this Christmas time, in this Christmas season, uh, in the time we live in, man, you need that. Some of you need to be set free from uh, depression and anxiety and, and debt. And some of you need to be set free from past relationships. And the freedom will come as you're in God's word consistently, connecting with Jesus every single day. So what do we see about the wise men? They, number one, they search God's word. Number two, this is what I want you to think through because you might go, wait, 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 what does that mean? They looked for God's presence. They looked for God's presence. So they searched God's word and they, they, they understood Jesus' coming, but then they looked for him in their everyday life. They looked for the moving of God. They looked for a sign from God and they saw his star in the east and they knew the star was different. They knew the star was unique. They knew the star was a sign and they knew the star was his sign and they began to follow it. See, what I'm telling you to do is be in God's word every day, but be like these wise men and look at the world around you and watch for God, watch for his moving, watch for his guidance, watch for his presence. Matthew chapter two, two says the, the wise men said, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east. We saw the star and we knew it was his star. Uh, we knew it was him and we've come to worship him. See, they saw the star and followed it. You and I need to look for God's moving in our lives and follow what God tells you to do and experience what he has for you. See, one of the things I found, and I want to caution you about this, some people, their faith isn't as full as it could be because they don't do part two of what I just told you to do. They study God's word and maybe even somewhat apply it to their life, but they don't use that opportunity to be in God's word to create a stronger connection with God and to create an ability to tune into God so he'll guide you and direct you. A big part of what I've been talking about on Wednesday nights in our behind the scenes series is how to hear the voice of God and how to find God's direction in your life. And so we just talked about that. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Tyler, who's on staff, uh, he started crying, talking about an experience of God guiding him in his everyday life. And I, I sat there emotional. Uh, Pam wasn't with us. I asked her later. I said, Pam, did that get the shoe? And she goes, yeah. She goes, I was in tears because something profound occurs. Something greater than you happens when you connect with God. See, that's what happened to me. I was sitting with a group of people who knew God and I didn't know God. I mean, I knew what it was like to have tons of friends. I knew what it was like to have fun. I knew what it was like to have things to look forward to, but I didn't know what it was like to have a relationship with Jesus, the creator of the universe, the creator of eternity. And when I was in a room with people who knew him, I sat there going, they've got something way better than I've got. And, and I, I still loved what I had, but that was something more. And, and the Magi saw that too. The Magi saw that too. His star stirred them. Jesus gave a warning. Listen to it in John 5, 39 and 40. He said to, to the, the Pharisees and, and the scribes, he said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me 
to receive life. Now, by the way, think about this. Back in this time period, they sat in Jerusalem refusing to go to Bethlehem and see him, even though he would have been two by that. They refused to go find him. They refused to search him out in their everyday world. He was only five miles away. Five miles. They could have traveled in in, in, in just a short period of time to be with him, and they didn't do it. Now, 30 years later, Jesus is probably looking at some of the very same men and a few others saying, you know what? The Bible's clear. You think that in the Bible, you're going to find what you're looking for, but the Bible tells you to come to me. Let me say this again. You need to be in the word of God. And that word should aim you at living your everyday life with Jesus, seeing him in the world around you. I remember a, a man who was a CEO of a thriving company asked if I would spend time discipling him. And uh, I made a fun agreement. I said, if you'll teach me leadership, uh, I'll teach you how to connect with God in a deeper way. And he said yes to that. And so we began to meet together. And when he began to discover how often during his day, the Lord was speaking to him, guiding him and directing him. He just could not imagine life getting better and better and better like it did, but it did. He began to discover what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, that I had not seen nor ear heard nor ever entered his imagination, all that God had prepared for him. And so he began to live life with a whole new mission and a whole new passion. Why? Because he was living in a deeper connection with Jesus. I got him to be in God's word every day. I got him to start asking God to guide and direct him in his decision-making. By the way, not just for his own life, even for the company he was leading. And he would tell you this, that as he began to seek God for decisions for his company, that it seemed without a doubt, he could point to times God gave him direction and they began to soar and flourish and thrive. By the way, even when the markets went bad, they were one of the few companies that kept going. And his board, his board would say to him, you know what, you have just done so incredible. He would actually tell him straight out in a non-Christian company, it's God. And here's what's kind of cool. His executive team and his, the board he, he, he had overseeing him, they all agreed it was God. His faith was so real, so genuine, so authentic. And people were moved. I remember sitting with a VP that he had influenced so much that that VP gave his life to the Lord. And that changed his marriage and changed his family and, and made him a better father. And it all goes back to this man living his life, looking for God in the moment. Uh, there was a moment at a Christmas time, he felt God wanting his company to make a difference in the world around him. And, and they did. And everybody said that was genius. And we love working for a place like this. Matter of fact, uh, I want to say that probably not 100%, but the majority of the people who work in this very large company, are, they're influenced by the culture he sets that is born out of his connection with God. You need to live your life with God making a difference. Uh, in your family, in your marriage, in the way you work, in, in the way you play, in every single area. And the Magi did that. They looked for God's presence in that moment and their joy became great. Their joy became exceeding. And Jesus calls that the abundant life. So what did they do? Number one, they searched God's word. Number two, they looked for God's presence. Number three, they humbled themselves. You and I need to humble ourselves. You need to humble yourself. 
Uh, so you need to be in God's word and you need to look for God's presence and you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Uh, they did that and by worshiping Jesus. Uh, now remember, Jesus was two years old. Uh, a question might be, do real men worship a two-year-old? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think some of you guys are going, man, I, I've seen the terrible twos in action. I don't know about that. But, but here's what you need to know. They were so aware of the glory of God within this child. The child that Isaiah had seen first as God the Father, and then as the child born on earth. They were so aware of that, that they bowed down before him. By the way, they came in faith, ready to bow down to him. And then when they experienced his presence, even more so they did. And so in Matthew two, it says this in verse two, it says, where, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the East and we've come to worship him. Verse 11. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want to encourage you to be someone who worships the Lord. There are many ways we worship. Praise is one, and it's a vital one. Singing praise to God. The Bible talks about doing that, and it calls it hallelujah the Lord. And we get the word hallelujah from that. And, and it literally means to act clamorously foolish. By the way, in other words, it's got to be exuberant. It's got to be out there. And I'm going to encourage you to do that. And you might say, oh man, I don't know about that. Here's what I'm telling you. Humble yourself. Humble yourself and worship God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Proclaim praises to him. Worship him. You could do it by, by speaking out loud praises to God. You could do it by singing praises to God. Lifting your hands to God. And you know what I want to tell you? God loves it. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 22 verse 3 in the English Standard Version says, Yet you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. In other words, as you worship God, you're putting him on the throne of your life. You're humbling yourself underneath him. You're going to experience his presence in a deeper way. Now, don't miss this. When you're in God's word, you'll experience the presence of God and the leading of God and, and the promises of God and the power of God. When you look for the Lord in your everyday life, you'll experience in an awe-inspiring way, God moving and doing things. And when you worship him, that also will deepen your connection with God. You know, I, I want to tell you, there's some of you out there, maybe most of you out there like me, you can't sing. By the way, that's not true. I can sing. I just can't sing well. I can sing, but I don't think anyone's ever going to buy my CD or download my track. <laughs> We're filled in this church with really talented people. And I'm not talented in that way. I can sing though. And the Bible never says make a beautiful noise. It talks about making a joyful noise. And I can make a joyful noise. Uh, I told this before, but I think this is really fun. Uh, back when we were meeting in the building every now and then, because I have my microphone, I would tell the sound guy, hey, put me in the ears because our worship team has, has uh, uh, the way they listen to what's going on is they have these ears, uh, ear things that are in their ears. And I'd say, put me in their ears. So all of a sudden you'd watch them singing, like maybe it'd be Laura Coronado or, or, or Laura uh, Manuel. I blew it. Oh my gosh, it's Laura Manuel. Laura singing, or it might be Casey or someone else. And, and they're worshiping God. And when I go into their ears, they freak. 
because it is a noise. It's not a song, (laughs) but it's joyful. And I just laugh and I get so much fun out of that. But I know God loves it when I sing. My grandkids, man, I love to see them, listen to them sing. I love the joy that comes. And God wants you to experience that. And let me say, do it beyond yourself. Get in the car and put on a praise song and just start singing to the Lord and see what happens. Like actually sing it out. Sing it with meaning. Sing it with passion. Just go for it. No one else is in the car with you. Just go. Do it outside. Do it at home. Praise God. Worship God. And when you get to come in with us, uh, if you're out on the patio or during our worship times online, just worship God and you will experience him. And something happens when you do. So what do we see? We see that they search God's word. They look for God's presence and they humbled themselves. And God wants you and I uh, to do that same thing. But then they did one other thing. They gave to the Lord. They gave to the Lord. It says in Matthew 2, 11, that after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, by the way, seems to be symbolic of his deity and purity. It's like they brought gold saying, you are God who's come to be with us. They gave him frankincense, which was a fragrance. It created a perfume fragrance. And and that was a sign that the presence he brought to the world and that child would spread all throughout the world. Uh, There was a saying amongst the rabbis at the time that Jesus was alive, that as a pleasing fragrance spreads throughout the house, so a good name spreads around the world. And so what I want you to know is they were symbolically saying, one day everybody on earth is gonna know who you are. And by the way, I think that's true today. Billions, billions are worshiping him in the world we live in. And they gave him myrrh. And myrrh is symbolic of death. It's something you would use to embalm somebody. Very, very expensive back then. But they knew, they knew from the prophecy, maybe they knew from the Holy Spirit that one day he would die for them. But they came giving. See, what's so interesting is very often, and it's not wrong, you ask God to give to you and God does want to give to you because God is a giver of good gifts. God is a giver of life. He's the giver of wonderful things. But remember, God loves it when you give to him. And just like you love it when God gives to you, God loves it when you give to him. And the wise men came giving to God. And hopefully you're someone who wants to do that. I mean, hopefully you find joy in doing that. Jesus said in Acts 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than receive. And um, I'm at a place in my life, and I just want to tell you so many other people are that I know, we love giving to God. When when payday comes, I am so excited to give my tithe. By the way, that's never gotten old. I I love to say, God, and by the way, the way Pam and I do it is we pray, we're going to give the first 10% to the Lord, but we pray, what else should we give? Because the Bible says the first 10% is money you return to God. The tithe belongs to the Lord. And then anything you give beyond that's considered an offering. And the Bible teaches something very interesting. We give to God the tithe, the first 10%, the first 10%, not second, not third, first 10%. Then we give God offerings. And then 
At certain times of the year, we give God extravagant offerings. By the way, what they just gave, these wise men gave, was an extravagant offering to Jesus. They came wanting to give. They came wanting to worship, and they came wanting to give. And they couldn't wait to be in the presence of the Lord to do that. And they, they traveled a long ways. And again, a great risk bringing that level of, of riches with them. And, and they opened up and they gave to him, and, and it cost them something to do that. It cost them to do that, but they loved it. And you and I, we ought to have times in our life where we really do that. We just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, 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 and you pray about it. And by the way, I, I believe a lot of us, Pam and I, and a lot of us uh, at Christmas time, uh, we pray about giving to the Lord, an offering or even an extravagant offering. Pam and I also do that at Easter. And then whenever other times in our life, God blesses us, we always seek to bless God and bless others but wise men give. And it's a sign of love. Jesus said these words. He said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Now don't miss this. Your heart follows your treasure. In other words, if you keep all the money that God gives you to yourself, then you're going to love yourself. But when you give to God and you invest in the church, you love God and you love the church. Why? Because heart follows treasure. Uh, an example I heard of that is, let's say you love the company Apple. Well, I promise this, you'll love it more if you buy stock. If you own stock in Apple, you will want Apple to do great, and you will want Microsoft and the others not to. <laughs> Why? Because you're invested. Your heart follows treasure. God made you that way. And that's one reason God wants you to take the first 10% and give it to him. That's one reason. God wants you to give offerings because it deepens your love. It strengthens your commitment and it really does make a difference. And so I want to encourage you to be like the wise men. I want you to be people who search God's word and look for God's presence in your daily life, who humble yourselves before the Lord and worship him and who give to God and your faith will grow. Your faith will be stronger. Your connection will be clearer and more real. Because remember what Jesus said, you search the scriptures thinking they will give you eternal life. He goes, but that's not where it's found. It's found in me. And some of you today need to find the Lord. Maybe even more accurately, you need to let God find you. Maybe you're here and you're a part of this message, but you've never committed your life to Christ. Today is the day you can do that. You can make a real commitment to him. So you come into real connection with him and have a real relationship with him. And how do you do that? The Bible says there are two steps you take to enter into that relationship and then begin to live life with God. Number one is you pray. And in a moment, I'm going to lead a prayer. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. What an incredible Christmas this would be if this is the year you finally open up your heart to the Lord and let his love come into you and let him begin to show you things in life that are amazing and incredible. You see, back when I was in high school, I sat in a room feeling like I had it all and I think I did. But I discovered there was a God and even more that Jesus was God. And his presence was so amazing and so incredible and real. I, in that moment, just wanted to know him. Here's this, the interesting thing. <clears throat> Nobody asked me if I wanted to know him. 
Matter of fact, I was looking at all these people that knew the Lord, and I thought, how do they know God? And I don't. No one told me what I'm telling you. The first step is to pray. The second step is to make it known. And a day came where I thought, that's it. Nothing's going to stop me from getting in the presence of God. And I was in a church, and I went forward, and and I was invited to pray the prayer I'm going to lead you in. And God the power of God, the presence. I became to know the Lord. And I want you to do that too. Some of you need to pray this prayer for the very first time. This is your moment. This is your time. Some of you need to pray the prayer to recommit your life. Um, I'm not going to go into it, but I hit a place where I needed to come back. I had wandered away from that faith that I loved and and I right away knew something was missing. But the minute I came back, the minute I recommitted, it all changed. Some of you, this is your day to recommit. And Jesus wants you to do this. He wants you to pray that prayer again, not to become a Christian again, but to commit yourself again with more resolve to being with him. So the question is, are you going to do it? Wise men seek him. Wise women will seek him. Right now, the best thing you could do is say yes to the Lord. So if you know the Lord, I want you to pray for people to say yes to him. Right now, if you need to, for the first time, or to recommit, or to find freedom from something, or healing in your life, I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer with me. But let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now for anyone who needs to say yes to you. If they're wise, they will. And if they're wise enough to pray this prayer and mean it, then Lord, I get so excited about what they're going to experience because I, I still remember what it was like when I finally prayed that prayer and, and your presence came and your love came and your peace came and your joy came and all of it was greater than I could imagine. And then it got better and better and better. And I pray that for them right now. I pray it for them. So I pray for those who are praying it for the first time and those who need to recommit. I'm praying it for some of you. Lord, I'm praying it for some of them. Right now, if that's you, pray this prayer with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone who's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes. And if those are the only words you can say, say it. I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God. I mean, I am so excited for you. I don't even know you, but I know this. God loves you. God's, uh, the Bible says rejoicing over you right now. And so this is so exciting. But I'm going to ask you to do the second thing. The first is to pray the prayer. The second is to make it known. And if you prayed the prayer and mean it, then text us right now to the number on the screen. Text us right now, and we will get back to you. 
and we're going to ask your name. Don't hide out from us. Give us your name. Uh, Let us know who you are. Then we're going to have people praying for you. We're going to send you a gift, an electronic copy of a book that I think will change your life. It's free. We just want that for you. We want to get other information to you. And then it's up to you. If you want to take some steps, we show you you can take, but we want to connect with you so you can connect with God. So if you prayed that prayer, text us right now and let us know you did. Uh, By the way, let other people know you did. Uh, And I want to say this. May you and I live the life of the wise men. May we be in God's word every single day. May we look for God's presence in the world around us. May we humble ourselves and worship him. And may you and I, may you and I be people who give ourselves and give of our who we are and our finances to God that we might grow in a deeper, deeper love for him. May your love for God in this Christmas season be stronger, your faith be even more in-depth, and your connection to God greater. God bless you and have a great day.